Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Another sporting weekend on by. Can you believe we are already in the middle of August? It's nearly 2024. Just around the corner. Before you know it, we'll be talking about New Year's Eve and sporting events of the year and looking back at great accomplishments and achievements. But that's what we're going to do this morning. Let's start, shall we, with rugby, and uh, there was some interesting action over the weekend. The results, I don't think, mean very much, but the significance of some of the results are extremely important with regards to the World Cup, which is starting in a couple of weeks' time. So let me give you the results to start with. Chile 26, Namibia 28, France 30, Scotland 27. England 19, Wales 17, but there's a lot more about that game we'll talk about in a minute. And Georgia, they're always there and thereabouts when it comes to the World Cup. We all think, oh, they've got no chance whatsoever. Well, a 56-6 victory over Romania for the Georgians this weekend. Right, let's uh, talk about England against Wales, shall we? Because uh, I guess that was the game with the most talking points, the yellow cards, the red cards, and, of course, the potential of a player or two in that England squad. Um, Owen Farrell, yeah, the captain, he is in, well, hopefully, World Rugby are going to treat him the same way as they treat everybody else. So you'll find out tomorrow if he's going to lift his side Rugby World Cup opener against Argentina. He was sent off against Wales. The shoulder challenge to the head of Tane Basham during the 1970 win at Twickenham was upgraded from a yellow to a red card during the match itself. There is a new bunker review system that's been introduced in rugby. So he was sent off for the red card, and then the referee had said that it was tempered for a yellow card. The ref said it was a temporary yellow card until the decision from the officials off the field would be made as to whether it was a red card effect, so they call it the bunker. And, uh, yep, that's it, red card. While he was sitting uh, on the sidelines, spending uh, his 10 minutes in the stumbling turned into the rest of the game. So he will appear in a video disciplinary hearing tomorrow that will determine the length of his suspension. Uh, World Rugby's mid-range sanction for a dangerous tackle is six games. With a panel set to take into consideration Farrell's three-match ban for the same offence in January, on top of five matches in 2020 and two in 2016, it would be extraordinary if the experienced 31-year-old received a lenient punishment. Rossi, be quiet. You're not allowed to say anything, please. Don't say anything. Now, England have got two more warm-up games against Ireland and Fiji. Any suspension could also rule Farrell out of the start of the World Cup. They launched their campaign against Argentina. On paper, their toughest first-round opponents on the 9th of September. Now, a combination of Saturday's events and Farrell's previous records means the playmaker runs the risk of missing other matches, including the games against Japan, Chile and Samoa. Henry Arundel, Freddie Stewart and Ellis Gengo were also shown yellow cards against Wales in particular, with the 2019 World Cup finalists reducing 12 men at one stage. Yet England managed to overcome a 79 deficit. The Welsh will be kicking themselves. Oh. 
on Saturday that they let this particular day slip. They really should have done a lot better. Now, let's see what happens because they will be used the same criteria as they use for everybody else, uh, which is not always the case. Then you most probably should get anything between a four and six match ban, which obviously would be a massive, massive blow with regards to the World Cup. Meanwhile, hosts France, thanks to Thomas Ramos's kick penalty to hand France a very unconvincing 30-27 win over Scotland that had more questions than answers for the World Cup host just weeks away from the kickoff of the event. Ramos's three successful penalties and three conversions proved the difference as Scotland threatened to produce another come from behind win against France that scored three tries in the last 20 minutes, should be watching out for uh, that from the Scott, which of course is the first game that the Springboks will play in the World Cup. Let me tell you, the South African team left loads of fanfare and lots and lots of spectators at OR Tambo International Airport, that is the main airport in Johannesburg, South Africa, on their way to defend the William Webb Ellis Trophy. Captain Sia Kondisi, Oxfordshire, and Jake Hendrickson are desperate for great game time after the title holders arrived yesterday in the UK to continue their preparations. The trio missed the first four matches of Springboks season in July and August against Australia and New Zealand, and we played Argentina twice due to injuries and a bereavement. There are two more chances for them to demonstrate their fitness and form. South Africa faced Wales on Saturday, and then New Zealand the week after that in their final two warm-up internationals before their first game. Now, the talk through the whole of last week into this week has continually been around the uh, fact that Jacques Minard's side, all 33, as we've mentioned, no issues with, but his positional play with regards to the number of scrum hogs he's got. Well, he killed the move and the rumours that the box are planning a last-minute change to their squad to find a place for Andre Pollard and Luke Kanye. Um, he now used the departure uh, briefing to address rumours that have been swirling in rugby focus and on social media what will be changed before the tournament. According to the conspiracy theories, a player would fake an injury to make way for Pollard He's still recovering from a calf injury, but should be put somewhere around the start of the tour. I know we spoke about this. I spoke to Eddie Castania about this as well. And I still believe that what he's done by saying, OK, let's have this nine-man backup plan and included the Lord Diakos, the Kanye Amitande followers of the world in that uh, team, or those nine, does say something. You must remember that we're talking about a director of rugby uh, in Rusty Erasmus, who has been the most innovative rugby coach that you could ever imagine. I mean, in his early days of coaching, he sat at the top of the grandstand on the roof watching his team from above. He has been quite vociferous in terms of uh, refereeing deficiency. He's been banned by the rugby board for his comments after the British-Irish Lions test match. Um, and uh, he has not only released a book recently, as well as a couple of months ago, a uh, documentary program on himself where he was very open, shows his emotions on his sleeves, not uh, not scared of hiding anything. And, you know, with him, 
anything's possible. There could be a, a secret pack that he has. There could be something that hopefully at the end of the World Cup we can go, what an absolute genius of South Africa have defended the World Cup. Well, that is what we're all hoping for if we are South African supporters. If not, well, what can I say? The rest of the world, let them panic, let them worry, let them keep thinking about what the Springboks are going to. But the good news is they got on their plane, off they went to a tumultuous roar from a huge crowd at the airport, and they are on their Let's uh, talk golf now, shall we? And a couple of events over the weekend, and it was not the kind of defence of the British Open that Ashley and I would have wanted, but the last four champions, Open champions, have missed the cut. He's one of them. So, unfortunately for her, she didn't make it into the weekend. American Lilio Vu sealed his second major title of the year. The six-shot victory over Charlie Hull, the 25-year-old, posted the final round 67 and finished a very respectable 14 under par and is now set to replace Nelly Calder as the new world number one. She said it sounds almost unreal to hear her name announced as champion. She reckons she's had a tough couple of months. She just wanted to be in contention. Well, she was more than that. She won her first LPGA tournament in Thailand in February, then claimed her first major in April, the Chevron Championship. She then missed the cut at the next two majors, the LPGA and the US Women's Open. She thought the two wins were just a blip and lost her confidence. She said after winning the trophy, she appeared very calm as she plotted away to victory. But she said she wasn't calm inside. What a great performance, I must admit. Um, she was quite fantastic. There was a demonstration, once again, um, by the climate activists just stop oil at the door seven feet while powder was thrown onto the green, but that couldn't spoil her march to victory. She made the perfect start with a 10th with 30 putts at the first, and by the time she'd added more birdies on the 4th and 10th, the lead had been extended to a comfortable five shots, and that's how it ended. Well done to her. Now we'll see how the rest of the season goes with regards to uh, a very own Ashley Buhai, who, as I say, unfortunately, none of the South African trio, all three of them, did not make it into the weekend. Well, the Live Golf tournaments are still continuing, even though there has been a uh, agreement between Live Golf, uh, USPGA, and uh, the, the DP World Tour. But Australia's Cameron Smith, last year's British Open champion, shot a 368 for victory at the Live Golf League event at the Trump National in Bedminster. The 29-year-old Australian from Brisbane finished the 54 holes at the New Jersey layout on 12 under 201. India's Aniruban Lahiri, a distant second, seven strokes behind him. This Cameron Smith is a serious golfer. I think he's won some amazing events. He is now top of the Live Seasons point list with that victory. It was his third win in Live Golf. That's an amazing performance by him. He said the goal at the start of the year was to be up there with the shots at one tournament to go to win the Order of Merit. He's ticked the boxes in that department. A six-time winner on the US PGA Tour before jumping last year to the Saudi back series. Captured his third career live golf title, having taken last to Chicago Trophy and last month's crown in London. He began the final round with a four-stroke lead over six-time major winner Paul Nicholson. After Smith and Mickelson made bogeys at the third hole, the Aussie saw his lead trim to two, 
Mickelson birdied the third, but he was nowhere near him at the end. So uh, great performance there yeah. for the Australian. And then on the USPGA tour, another playoff in the event last night, the early hours of this morning. And Lucas Glover had the first hole to beat Patrick Canlay to win the St. Jude Championship. It's his second title in as many weeks. It's unbelievable because the 43-year-old American who won last week in Greensboro just to qualify for the playoffs became the first over-40 winner of consecutive PGA Tour events since VJ Sting in 2008. Now, I didn't see the interview with him after last night's round, but I saw the interview with him after last week's round where he won for the first time in ages. And both his kids with him on the green. He was emotional, to say the least, and uh, showed you, you know, one win all of a sudden become two. And Lucas Glover now two wins in a row, completely reinventing himself, if you like. He was the 2009 US Open champion and on the final day sank several dramatic long putts on the back nine. While Cantlay, the 2021 playoff champion, charged late for the playoff, which began the 18th hole at TPC Southwinds in Memphis. Cantlay's tee shot went into the water, left of the fairway. He blasted his turn onto the green inside 22 feet, just inside where Glover first had on two shots. Glover two potter for par, leaving Cantlay a must-make putt. His full roll past the right edge. Lucas Glover has won two in a row. Well done to him. Brilliant performance by Lucas Glover. And uh, that is excellent news. Excellent news for the, uh, the senior citizen, if you like, of the Australian. Uh, so that's uh, great news for him. And uh, he will, I guess, now be in contention, perhaps even, as a wild card for the Ryder Cup. We never know. Um, some players just come out of nowhere, like Glover has, the last two weeks. It's four players that you need for the Ryder Cup later on. This year. The went is a fantastic tournament. Love watching that Ryder Cup every year. It's great. Now, there's also some news with regards to Africa's major. So, what is Africa's major? Well, Africa's major is the tournament that used to be the Medbank Million Dollar Golf Challenge all those years ago. It's now part of the GP World Tour. So, um, it is one of those events that's no longer by invitation, only in terms of 10 or 12 players. It is by invitation, by virtue of where you are on the order of merits. That, of course, is the, that is, of course, the criteria now on the world tour. So this is the second last event of the year uh, with regards to the um, tour itself before they get along to the order of merits, which will be uh, in the United Arab Emirates, as it always is. So we are hoping for some really good players coming to the Sun City Golf Course. And I can tell you um, that there are a couple of outstanding golfers who are going here. We always wonder with regards to um, whether we will get some of the best names in the world coming to the tournament. The Americans in particular are the difficult uh, players to get. 
to the events and always something that I guess is something to do with the Americans. I don't know whether they think uh, there's a reason or no reason, whatever it might be. But the good news is, I'm waffling on a bit yet, is that US PGA two-time, US PGA champion, Justin Thomas, the American, has signed playing at Sun City. So that is great that he will make his debut at the tournament. We are obviously hoping that Justin Rose will also be back, major champion himself. And uh, there are, as I say, some fantastic golfers whom we are hoping to see at the tournaments. That's the big one. Tommy Fleetwood, hopefully he will be coming as well. He, of course, uh, is the defending champion. So lots to play for, lots to happen, and lots to come with regards to the uh, Medbank Challenge, the second last event on the DP World Tour at the beautiful South City. Okay, so there was also some action this weekend on the cricket fields of the world, and I can tell you that uh, the West Indies must be wondering to themselves what on earth has gone on with West Indian cricket. Um, I say that tongue-in-cheek because they couldn't qualify for the World Cup the 50-over edition of the World Cup, they were eliminated in Zimbabwe, yet they've somehow managed to win a T20 series against the mighty Indians. And that was uh, in completion last night. A guy called Brandon King, he was superb of an unbeaten 85. He led the West Indies to an 8 wicket win over Indians, to a 3-2 home series victory. A target of 166 to win the fifth and deciding contest in Lauder Hill in Florida. The West Indies reached their target with two overs to spare with Nicholas Perrin scoring 47 in a partnership with King of 107. So amazing stuff for the West Indies. They obviously, as I say, didn't make it for the World Cup. Won't be in India for the World Cup, but they've just bagged a big scalp in the world of cricket by beating India. Don't go away. We will be talking football, Premier League, the action that happened over the course of the weekend. But before we get to Premier League action over the weekend, some great tennis over the weekend as well. And uh, let's start off with the men, shall we? And it was a victory in the Masters tournament that took place in Toronto. The Canadian Open and Yannick Sinner came up third time lucky in a Masters 1000 final. He won the Toronto title 6 4 6 1. He beat Alex de Menier. Stephen Seed became only the second Italian to lift the trophy in the Elite Series, following Fabio Bocchini, who was in Monte Carlo, the winner four years ago. Sinner lost a pair of Masters finals in Miami in 2021 and last April, but did not contain his enthusiasm. After storming parties, Australian opponents in just an hour and a half. Player returns to on Wednesday, improved to 12 and 0 against the Australians, dating to the 2021 Open. Now, the women also played, um, but there was quite a bit of controversy with regards to the women. Elena Rybakina um, said after the match that ended at 3 a.m. in the morning, she said she felt destroyed by the Canadian Open schedule and debated the WTA's weak leadership after the world number four quarterfinal ended at 3 a.m. 
on Saturday and the semi-final postponed to Sunday because of rain. Rabagina Vitoria Casatina in a marathon last eight clash lasting three and a half hours before rain forced the Kazakh to wait until the final day of the tournament to meet Rutmila Sonova in the next round. She then lost 166-162 to Samtonova, who turned up again around two hours later for the final, and she was beaten in turn by Jessica Padula. You can't imagine what it must be like to be finishing a tennis tournament at 3 a.m. in the morning and then have to come out and play a game. So she wasn't very happy, was Elena Reinhardt. Okay, right, let's go on to what I have been waiting for and you have been waiting for, and that is the start once again of the football season. But you're going to have to wait just a little bit longer because I'd like to talk to you about the NTN8, the Wapa Wapa Cup. That is the top eight tournament in South Africa. That's a knockout competition. Generally starts the season off, although this season has gone with the not two Premier League games, a couple of Premier League games, and then this last weekend they went to top eight. And some interesting results. The more fancied team of the likes of Pirates, Sundowns, and uh, Kaiser Chiefs, just speaking out loud there for a sec, uh, made it through, albeit luckily Kaiser Chiefs scoring in the dying seconds of their game against Cape Town City. Uh, they won by two goals to one. Super Fort United, one of the bigger teams, knocked out by Stellenbosch, the uh, Stellenbosch team from uh, the university, the Martins team there. They beat uh, the Super Sport United by a goal to nil. And then Pirates were far too good for Sikakuna United. They beat them 5 nil, and Sundowns beat Swallows by a goal to nil. So it's Sundowns, Pirates, Chiefs, and Stellenbosch into the last four of the competition. And the Premier. We go, what's a weekend? You know, sometimes they say everything's changed, but nothing has. Well, nothing's changed. It's just the same as always. A couple of new faces, one or two new managers, one or two new players. But I can tell you what, the action fast and furious. It's like we never even had a break. It looks like the teams are ready, fit, and as I say, have been ready to go. Let's start off, shall we, by giving you the results from yesterday and that big clash that we were so excited about, Chelsea against Liverpool, lived up to expectation. Unbelievable stuff. One all draw in the end. Both teams had goals disallowed, VAR decisions being taken, and this new rule, uh, which is proving to be quite interesting, where similar to rugby, although they don't actually stop the clock like rugby does, but every time there's a stop in play, there's a substitution, there is a VAR or a goal scored, and the celebrations, there is always now time added on. That's right. So in the one game, there was 11 minutes of added time. We used to call that 30 time years gone by. That is going to be the norm now, and I think there's going to be a lot of managers whose teams are going to concede goals late in the game, and hopefully, hopefully, it will get them to stop rolling around like children who have been, or not even children, that's not fair on children, but rolling around like athletes looking to win an Academy Award by virtue of when they get a little tick on their foot or a kick on their ankle, they go rolling around like they've been shot by a sniper. Because the women's game that's been going on, which we will talk about as well uh, in a moment, there the girls get hammered, kicked, Roll over, get up, carry on playing. So the uh, gentlemen, or some not so gentle, 
they would need to catch a break. So let's go through the results for you. Chelsea and Liverpool drew one all. Brentford and Spurs drew two all. First game for Spurs without Harry Kane. Newcastle United picked up where they left off last season, a 5-1 demolition of Aston Villa. Everton played exactly the way they played last season. Another loss at home. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what's going to happen there because I guess the way things went last year, they are on course for a relegation this season. I think they are definitely the team in all sense who got away lucky over the last few seasons. So they lost the over by goal to Milton Fulham. Also, a baptism of fire. Sheffield United's first game back in the Premier League. They lost at home to Crystal Palace. Bournemouth and West Ham drew one all, and Brighton were just far too good for newcomers in Luton Town. They beat them 4-1, and then Arsenal and Nottingham Forest kicked off the season at the Emirates, and Arsenal beat Nottingham Forest by two goals to one in a very exciting encounter. Friday evening, the first game of the year, nothing different, Manchester City. Three and all victors away from home at the newly promoted Burnley. So, unfortunately, all three of the newly promoted sides, they came out on the wrong end of results. So, that does leave us with a very early table, football table, and that is Newcastle, top of the table. Their fans will say the top of the Premier League because, of course, the five goals, four, one goal against, a goal difference of four. Followed by Brighton, Manchester City, Arsenal, Crystal Palace, Fulham, all registering wins. And then draws for the likes of Brentford, Spurs, Bournemouth, Chelsea, Liverpool and West Ham. Manchester United, they will be Wanderers tonight. And then Nottingham Forest, Everton, Sheffield United, Newtontown, Burnley and Aston Villa all lost. Finally, tonight, before we leave you, what a weekend in the FIFA Women's World Cup. I must tell you that 10, 12, 15 years ago, you would never have caught me watching women's football. I can't, I can't stop watching. It's just fantastic. The results at the weekend and drama galore, absolute drama. Saturday, one of the best games of the tournament, one of the best goalless draws you could ever wish to see. Australia and France, nil, nil, and then penalty shootout, team penalty taken. And the Australians won 7-6, penalty shootout, 7-6. Oh my goodness, what an incredible, incredible day it was for Australian football. They are already talking about a national public holiday. And what do they have to do? Well, they're going to have to come up against England, who were very good, I must say, in beating Colombia by two goals to one. They also did exceptionally well with the English. Luckily for them, they didn't have to go to another penalty shootout like they did against Nigeria. And then the other two games, Japan and Sweden. Sweden coming out victors by two goals to one against the Japanese. And Spain beat the Netherlands 2-1. So the semi-finals, which are coming up next in this tournament as we head towards the final. That is tomorrow in the morning, 10 o'clock. Spain take on Sweden. And then on Wednesday, it is Australia against England. Saturday sees the playoff third and fourth, which is like, I can't say kissing your sister, but it's like kissing your brother. 
for female football. Semi-finals, loser one versus semi-final, loser two. Then on Sunday at noon, 12 o'clock, the final of the FIFA Women's World Cup will take place. It's been an absolutely amazing tournament, well-supported, massive crowds, and a kudos has to go out to the organisers for a brilliant that's tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Don't forget, lots of great action coming up through the course of the week. The President of South African Rugby, Mark Alexander, will be with us. We'll be talking bodybuilding, and we'll be finding out from Fran Hilton-Smith, sometimes controversial, sometimes not, talking about Banyana, Banyana's performance at the World Cup and the state of ladies' football in South Africa. Until next time, be nice to each other. Bye for now.